Welcome to Faith, Reason, and Geekdom. I'm Eugenie Flexer Roger. And this is Dusty Garza. My brothers and sisters in Christ join me every week as we explore these three perspectives in our everyday faith. That's what we call Christian genuflexing. heavy episode so if you guys don't like that um too bad so i'm just playing that well again this is going to be a lighter one this is going to be a more geekier one i guess if you can say i'm roger dusty is joining me can you tell us about yourself i know we did last time the new revamp of the podcast co-producer co-host but we're going to keep doing it for weeks and weeks just to give us more background maybe somebody didn't hear the last episode maybe this is their first time they're hearing it so i just want to keep pounding that rock but before we do though let's introduce two guests that we have here jason nunez how you doing greetings and salutations roger how are you good 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 we've had you on the podcast uh, again just a short little intro Sure. Uh, Are you getting tired of it? You're probably like, I just, how many times <laughs> well, do I have to? <laughs> um, I'm glad I'm getting a do-over because I didn't do a good job yeah. the first time around. So yeah, hi everyone. Jason Nunez. I'm 42 years old, cradle Catholic. Uh, we'll be married, uh, upcoming will be 20 years uh, next week, actually. Thanks be to God. And of course, God willing. I'm a father of two amazing teenagers and um, I'm a big fan of faith. I'm a big fan of reason. And hey, I'm also a big fan of geekdom. Big fan of God, I see. Well, uh, before I say this, can we use your first let's, name? Let's go with I'm Tom. We'll say sure. my name is Tom for the show. Okay, all right, Tom, who's not Tom. Can you give us a brief introduction <laughs> about yourself? So, and why are you here, real quick? And we'll get really into Tom. it, but just a so brief I'm introduction. I'm here to provide science and technology background for the podcast. Geekdom. Based upon the topics you're going to be discussing. Because surprisingly... Most folks don't really think about things like orbital mechanics as they apply to the Catholic faith. Hmm. Mm. That's interesting. That's fascinating. That sounds out of this world. <laughs> yeah, that does. And speaking of that, that's that's a foreshadowing that we're going to do. Okay, and again, there's revamp of this new on steroids faith, reason, and geekdom. We just got liposuction. We got like all the different exercises, steroids. All, so it's a revamp of the podcast. So once again, my co-host... Dusty. I am, first of all, humbly saying this because we pray the litany of humility, right? And the litany of humility is all about don't put the spotlight on me. I am just yet, let me be a voice for God, uh, for, for his goodness, for his love, etc. And I am very blessed in that I live a life full of adventure and um, uh, all the amazing blessings that God has given me. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas on the west side, a poor kid. I never knew actually though that I was poor until I went to Catholic school at Central Catholic with a bunch of kids who were born with silver spoons in their mouth and were sons of doctors and lawyers and dentists. And uh, I was so blessed with that opportunity. Wow. God was looking out for me and I got a scholarship and uh, I wanted to be more than anything a television and film producer. And I went after school uh, started working in television and film, even while I was here in, in San Antonio, went, was lucky enough to go to uh, the University of Spoiled Children in Southern California, uh, <laughs> USC. And the official name, by the way. Yes. Uh, you don't even know what UCLA is called. That that We'll leave that. That's like really racist <laughs> and horrible. That's so we're the not Patreon even gonna get into episode that. there, folks. But I was yeah, very blessed uh, to come back and be of service to my parents recently here who, who are aging 
And uh, my mom recently passed away after being in um, in hospice care for a couple of years. Uh, but that was a blessing because God does work in amazing ways and does create positive, good things from when bad things happen. I came here to be of service. I came here uh, almost on a whim because I felt called to return to my hometown. Uh, and I'm still working on projects on both coasts. My background is I am now a two-time Emmy Award-nominated television and film producer. I am a guy who works on Wall Street with publicly traded companies, helping them get visibility and attract new investors. I get to stay on the bleeding edge, not the cutting edge, on the bleeding edge of new companies and new technologies that are, the market is always forward-looking. Yeah. The market is always ahead of the news. So we get to see stuff. Um, I love it. Every time I go to work, uh, I'm working on new, cool, geeky uh, movies for comic book companies, or I am working with new technologies and biotechnologies in particular. I've been very heavily involved with new cures for cancer that are not going to be uh, approved by the FDA for 20 years. Especially the FDA. Like yeah, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, new technologies, new, uh, new crypto stuff, everything. Like, I love it. Every day for me at work is, is a new horizon and new things. And so, of course, I'm going to be here talking with you guys and geeking out and also hopefully yeah. sharing a little bit of my faith and the yeah. things that I've learned the rough way, the hard way most of the time about our God and what an amazing uh, faith we have as Catholics. It is one of those things that the more you scratch the surface, the deeper you get into our faith and the more jewels you discover. And so I'm excited about that. I have been a youth minister. I have been involved in retreat ministries. Um, so I'm happy to be here. Let's get into a new thing we call the litany of topics. And these are so even if you're like, I've don't I never heard this news, it doesn't matter, just you're it's a hot take. Again, it's like, oh my goodness, we're 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 turning into like a women's daytime talk show host. We're like the view now. We're like the chow. We're like Ouch. yes, we're like Ouch. Wendy Williams. We're like Wendy this is like oh, a Wendy Williams. So I'm gonna say hot topics. Can we be and like pardon boom. the interruption or something? <laughs> and there was a TV there was a TV show that I watched as a child because I was a a serial juvenile delinquent. Oh, I think, okay. So my you. mother disconnected the TV antenna, and my dad supported that. And the only thing I could watch was PBS. So in about fourth grade, I really became attached to the McLaughlin group. And I'm going to send you tips of that, uh, clips of it. But it was a group of old people. It was the original hot take. Yeah, it was like the hot, it was like think tank called Litany of Topics. Okay. Okay. So again, uh, before we go on, this is, is you're listening to Faith reason and geekdom please can you subscribe can you share can you rate five star on apple do all of that it really helps to proclaim jesus christ and to for people to learn something to listen to something interesting learn and also just have fun christian content you don't have to worry about certain stuff or you don't have to be like oh my god they're gonna uh, just feed my mind with garbage all the time no we can mix our culture it's our faith and our culture intersected so again faith and reason geekdom lineage of topics first piece of news okay dr strange 2 is reportedly it's not official yet but there have been reports that it will be on disney plus streaming services as early as june 22nd this movie just came out. 
I'm sorry. I usually always see them. I'm going to see it. But now this kind of makes me almost not even want to go see it in the theater because it less than, what, 20-something days it's going to be out. And so I'm like, isn't the studio losing money? And, Dusty, I'll go with you next. What's your hot take? Because as you coming from the Hollywood producing movies and stuff and working with a, a comic book that we shall not name company, <laughs> do you think is Marvel – Liz, are they, are they shooting themselves in the yeah. foot? Yeah, what do you think? Uh, well, first of all, I can't wait to see this movie. I haven't seen it yet. But like you, I'm wondering, should I rush out and buy a ticket just yeah. now? This is Sam Raimi, and who's like one of my favorite filmmakers. Anybody who's a nerd knows Sam Evil Raimi Dead. movies. And so this is like the first time I understand. I hear that Marvel sort of ga- gave carte blanche to a director to kind of bring in the product um, under his vision, which is re- really cool. I, I have nothing but respect for Sam. He, he's an amazing visual guy. Um, you know, there is so much uh, content needed by these streamers. These streamers are all trying to do something. And but what I mean when I say streamers, I'm talking about Netflix, I'm talking about Apple, I'm talking about Disney Plus, I'm talking about any number of flavors that Paramount. these guys are. Yeah, the Paramount Network, all of these. They are all wanting unique content uh, so that people can spend money there. Uh, And they want to drive those numbers because at the end of the day, what drives this business is how well are the subscriber numbers doing? That is like the measurement, you know, and you hear that a lot about Netflix. Oh, Netflix lost subscribers. Now Netflix and some of these streamers are, are taking a harder stance and making sure that they can meet the, the bottom line and, and keeping more firm hold on subscriber numbers. You can't share your password now without being charged yeah, extra. Yeah, they're doing that on new. Netflix, yeah. right? They're starting to, to lock down. They lost a lot uh, of money. So, so my job as a guy who's running Disney Plus would be, how do I drive my subscriber numbers? I think that if they did that, believe it or not, as something as simple as that would drive subscriber numbers for them. So I understand it. Uh, I'm also excited because within that realm, uh, it makes the products we're developing for this uh, uh, potential uh, comic book next Marvel company um, very, uh, very intriguing because hopefully we get into a bidding war by by the different streamers for our product. Um, My hot take is, um, okay. Uh, that's that's my hot warm take. That's, warm that's, take. Warm uh, How do you really Faith feel? Faith we'll, and we'll, we'll cut, And I'm I'm letting you guys down. Sorry. <laughs> no, but no, no, uh, no. so I've seen the movie. So that's kind of where I'm mm. like, all right. You got a you better know, take then. Yeah. I don't think nobody's seen it. Yeah. Does Sam Raimi let me down. I'm not going to tell you. Oh, oh that is harsh. I've I've already kind of spoiled some of it for Roger like in the two or three times bit, it's come up bit. in conversation. How about we do a so, deal? Uh, he'll tell you about it, San Raimi, if you could name the comic book company. Oh, there you go. And same to Tom if he gives us his real name. So just yes, kidding. Tom just kidding. gives us his real name. <laughs> but no, so yeah, that's Look, when I do of, air quotes, Tom, every time you say his name, you got to do this, air quotes. Yeah, you're going to do air quotes for Tom. There you go. So yeah, but for, for me, it, it kind of makes sense kind of hearing what you know dusty's saying here that's so you know obi-wan kenobi is going to debut on on friday right so that's debuting friday you know june 22nd you know i'm not sure what the rest of their lineup is for the summer Uh, i know that uh andor is coming out i think in august Mm, so you know i'm sure there's some kind of other you know marvel series that's going to come out but they may need to bridge a gap somewhere and this release may help that so i i got a hot take for you 
Hot. Coming hot in hot. take. Coming Get in yourself hot. a pencil and paper and write Whew. this down. Ouch. Don't watch another Marvel movie until you've watched With Great Power. It's a biography of Stan Lee. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. wow. So I haven't seen that. Until you understand, and this is, I think it's an authorized biography, so, you know, hey, buyer beware. I'm, I'm sure there's some things that are more Excelsior. True. Yeah, he gets into that. But until you understand the perspective of who brought all those things to being and the why. And some Spider-Man. Context, Spider-Man. But there's a pretty tough discussion tied to Catholicism wow. in his actual biography. And I'm not going to ruin it for you because I'm, I'm that kind of guy. But, 2010, With Great Power, The Stan Lee Story. Yes, it is an amazing, uh, if you want to understand where kind of the creative mind came up with these things that you're seeing presented to you now. The other thing it shows is how many times he failed. Oh, if really? Stanley perseverance. Quit, perseverance. If Stanley quit the first time he failed, it would have been before the start of World War II. So it's a pretty heavy story. There are moments that if you're a parent or if you're married, they'll kind of they'll, they'll pull at your heart a little bit. It's a, he's a tough guy. He went through a lot. So that oh, would man. be my hot take is before you dig into anything else, Understand the author. All right, nice. Very All cool. right, Thank next up we got. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good. I'm gonna write that down. I gotta watch that movie. I, 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 so, I told you to get a pencil. <laughs> I, 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 well, Dusty he I, wrote it down for us, so we'll just. He's already. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he already on it. it. In. It's he, in he the. It in. It's in the Google's kids. <laughs> it's belief, in the cloud already. There, so that's right. There's a growing belief that Roger actually has a photographic memory. Mm. So yes. I think ah. I'm gonna jump on that shit. I, I have a photogenic memory. Everything <laughs> looks better in retrospect than it really was. All right. So the next piece of news we got. Is on again sticking to Disney Plus the new Daredevil the MCU reboot. Now this is coming from Variety, who's a very reliable news source. There, there. I, I love Variety. So Matt Corman and Chris Ord will write and executive produce the new Disney Plus series. Now I have not seen this. It's called Covert Affairs. It's a spy drama series. They're going to be uh, ex- executive producing and writing the new series. And this is again Daredevil. My thing is, I love Daredevil. If I seen the, the Netflix, I loved it. There's Catholicism in there, and they don't treat Catholicism like a joke, like a lot of the other TV shows. It's an afterthought. No, Daredevil. I mean, Courtney. I was oh, I was gonna say Courtney Cox. <laughs> no, Charlie. Close, I was pretty say close. Courtney Cox. <laughs> Charlie Cobb, sorry. Lisa Kudrow and Jennifer Aniston in the uh, game. Uh, <laughs> I forget Marcel the monkey. They're <laughs> devil friends. Yeah, I was like, oh, um, the actor. I don't think they were in Hell's the, Kitchen. Yeah, or wherever no, no, no. he was. <laughs> that's a diff- That's a whole different movie. That's a whole different world um, they're in. in yeah, I just said his name. Charlie Cox. Charlie Cox, great. He was on Boardwalk Empire. Great actor, Matt Murdock. He kills it. The hallway scene, the fight scene, the fight sequences. Oh, Vincent D'Onofrio as the kingpin. These two again. I have not seen the the, the spy series Covert Affairs, but I have faith if they're going to do this spy drama that it's going to come with stories that Matt Murdock's going to be in the shadows and he's going to be fighting maybe the hand or whatever. So to me, this gives me confidence. I don't know too much about it, but uh, Dusty, you again coming from the screenwriting background and you've seen scripts, right? You see scripts, you see, you know more or less about. I don't know if you ever maybe known who these people are or seen the shows, um, but they're producing and writing the series. And what's your take on it? Uh, nothing gets on the air at Disney Plus without considerable. <laughs> 
packaging uh, considerations, yeah. uh, everything you're seeing that you're excited about is by design. So absolutely, you should be excited. Have this, you dealt with Disney Plus, like any no? Any but capacity? when I was a partner at an ad agency for a while, we had a, a Disney as a client. We did oh. direct mail for them, and what was really weird about the Disney um, thing that horns. And I'm, I'm trying to remember if we fi- if we signed a non disclosure agreement. I don't think we did. But That's fine. That's at one point, so well. we were going <laughs> to Disney headquarters in Anaheim uh, quite a bit. And it's an interesting building. Is even. it located in hell? <laughs> no, it's right right next to Disneyland. This this particular. Also, oh, it is a dumb place. Also, it is. <laughs> so when you stand like in the middle of the building, you look up. There's this really interesting design that's kind of hidden. It's goofy. It's really weird. But um, anyway, what was weird about that attending those meetings was they were talking about uh, Walt Disney. As if he were still alive. Ooh, like, that, uh, Walt would think uh-oh. this, or Walt would say that, mm. and and it was just, and it's kind of a really kind of a cool way to keep the, uh, uh, I guess the fiber of of Disney alive. But I found it odd. I found it a little bit mm. odd. And then I, mm. I wondered about that story. Yeah, about that's what I'm thinking. Brain being frozen. That's exactly what right? I'm thinking. Maybe Bob Iger, or like maybe that's the incarnation. Bob Iger, <laughs> what? Papa yeah, Iger. You, you never know. Yeah. But no, l- listen. These these guys are are a, a, a very, they're very particular, yeah. very specific about the way they do things. And uh, so that's why I said the answer that I did. You know, if they're if they're working on this and they're bringing certain creative staff to executing the show it's all by design and it's probably going to be amazing and i love it because we all as a family at my home uh get together and watch everything on disney you know whether it be uh um these new series i'm very excited about all that because i know that that's that's something we can turn on and all watch as a family and every single one of us be uh, uh, you know excited about it what do you think same experience for me um my family we gather around and we watch we watch, you know, Mandalorian, Mandalorian, Boba Moon Knight, Boba, Boba Fett, you know, all of it there. So Hawkeye, you know, that one was pretty cool. That was like a sneaky good show. Uh, but as far as Daredevil goes, you know, that to me was a sneaky good show when it was on Netflix. Mm. So we are excited that it's coming to Disney Plus. Um, you could kind of see the writing on the wall. Get it? See? Daredevil's oh, blind, I see it, what you it. did there. So yeah, but uh, so you I didn't could, see that coming. There you go. No. <laughs> hopefully you heard Let's it. Let's keep this out. Let's Ho- it hopefully you heard it though. Ah. Hopefully you heard it coming a mile away. So yeah, you you could kind of see the writing on the wall. And if you haven't seen Spider Man No Way Home, this is beyond spoilers, right? Yes. But so cameo. with you know Matt Murdock making that cameo, it's like oh come on, he's in the universe now. Yeah. Like he's he's a part of the family. Yeah. It's only right that this good show continues on and gets extra legs and continues on Disney Plus. So I'm yeah. excited. Brett, so I know try not to walk into any more pun jokes. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not <laughs> to walk into anything. <laughs> so here's the catch. Having a different family experience. Not really sitting down and watching anything really like science fiction together as a family is just really not my wife's forte. So now if you want to talk great British baking challenge... This will be a scheduled event. I'm all over that. There will be a that. lot of watching. There will be an intense analysis of what went wrong with the bake. So that's, Discovery that's, Plus. Get that. That's, that's yes. more of the, the family focus. But the kids watch a lot of that stuff. And I, again, going back to my roots as not having anything but public television, watched so much Doctor Who, The Twilight Zone, Alfred Hitchcock, and all those things. So we start talking about what we were talking about, Aliens. 
a lot of what I do is informed still by the old Star Trek reruns on PBS and all those things kind of spelled out our cultural understanding. But I'll go back to Daredevil. I think my kids will be excited to see it. I saw the little cameo, but then had to turn it off. I just got distracted on the plane and couldn't finish watching that particular Spider-Man movie because it was too stressful for me. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just curious to see where it goes. Again, going back to having seen how much Stan Lee and the other people at that company, he was not the sole creator or anyway, the exclusive source of things. But you really had that magical point where kind of at five people or more, you do something that's greater and beyond what the five people would have done on their own. So how that, if that's truly foundational to American identity or an interpretation of American identity, I'm curious to see where it goes. So in the news, we've been hearing about monkeypox, the outbreak spreading and before i read this this is from cnbc okay this isn't from fox news this isn't from anything like that this isn't from the daily wire this is from cnbc and this is i'm just reading what they're putting so again this isn't like a um any attack or saying this i'm literally reading word for word okay so um european nations have confirmed dozens of cases in what's become the largest outbreak of monkeypox ever on the continent according to the german military the most recent surge in cases appear to have been spread among men who have sex with other men. Now, these are the key points from straight. I'm just reading. I just read it straight from CNBC. I'm just again in our last episode already. More hate, 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 hate. Uh, more hate mails coming. This is not particularly a sexually transmitted disease per se. Seems to be spreading through through male to male uh, sexual contact. And I, I don't know. I think it's interesting that we're in a culture that uh, shut down the world for two years, almost did all this stuff. And when it comes to this stuff, they're kind of like, how about just tell people to be chased for a little bit, at least like they said, through blood, close saliva. So this isn't like I pass by you and you get it. You have to have like you have to like be like in somebody's face for a long, long time. Um, but it can spread and live off of like uh, materials and stuff like that. So, w- what are your uh, reactions, uh, Dust? I know you're like you're like me. <laughs> I'm what? just I don't trying to figure it. out what this has to do with Catholicism or uh, <laughs> yeah. How do we see it? It's, it's like, a hot take. Well, I, it's I think, a hot take. I think I've got a way to pull the, it back, the, but I'm going to let view. you get out there the, first. Remember well, the I, view. I heard, the view I heard that the best thing about having smallpox is that you can take a no. Sip. These are monkeypox. Monkey. Oh, oh yeah. sorry, sorry. Yeah, monkeypox, not smallpox. That, now the joke's totally ruined. The, the, <laughs> the, the best thing about having monkeypox is you can take a, a sip of your friend's Coke and go, oh, yeah, by the way, I have monkeypox. That means free Coke for me. <laughs> free Coke. And you can so, just touch everything. And, and I no. do that anyway because I'm the dad. I'm like, I, they're like, you're always eating our food. I'm like, well, I bought it, so I just take it. So anyway, but what, what's your what's – That's your, lessons in taxation. Yeah, exactly. There you go. But what's your, your well, take on I, the monkeypox? I monkey think that we, we should pay close attention to what is happening with it. Uh, there's a lot of mis- History around this, even in my own home, uh, our baby uh, Gabriel Joseph caught something uh, two weeks ago, and we thought it was chickenpox. And we thought, but wait a minute, he's only a year old. Does this happen? So we took him to the hospital to the doctor, who then sent us to the hospital to try to find his vein so that he could get some. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very difficult as a parent to watch this kind of thing, uh, to to find to, to 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 draw some blood and run some tests. 
but the, the problem is that even after the tests were run, the doctors were not able to tell us what he had. And, and the symptoms, when you looked at the pictures of the smallpox that started in the news right around the same time, they looked sort of like that, but they also just looked like chicken pox, right? So um, it's really hit home for us, and, and we're taking it seriously. Uh, I think people do need to take this seriously. If you don't, what is that? If you don't study history, you're bound to make the same mistakes, right? So that's my take. Jason, what do you think? Because again, again, I'm just reading from what they're saying is that the virus is not a sexually transmitted infection. Most recent surge in cases appears to have been spread among men who have sex with other men. A World Health Organization official emphasizing that anyone can contract monkeypox. Natural law, and I know it was already my take, but real quick, natural law says, and that goes before religion. That's even Aristotle. That goes with the Greeks. They say if you use something against its nature, it tends to have bad consequences. Mm. That's all I'm trying to say is like. Well, yeah. So, yeah, for me, you know, kind of what you're sharing, because this is really the first, first exposure I've had to any kind of detail as far as what monkeypox actually is. Um, you know, there's conflicting information or what sounds like it, right? It's, it's not this, but this is what we're finding, right? So to me, it's confusing. Why is it called monkeypox? Maybe there is an easy answer for that. That's the first question I have. And the, one of the first thoughts I have is like, I think I've kind of already seen this movie already, kind of. <gasps> oh, is, this, is, is this this bad sequel to the original? Dustin Hoffman, right? Yeah. Outbreak. Yeah, oh, it's a good. I like Papillon. that movie. I yeah, like that so movie. It's you know I, that's just that's kind of my on the surface, just a dude hmm. thinking. I think I've already seen this movie before, <laughs> and that's speaking as someone who is highly immunocompromised. So. Yeah, the reason it's called monkeypox is because the first time it was discovered or it happened, uh, it happened to be an outbreak at a research facility where monkeys were uh, were being kept. Curious, and it was apparently uh, two outbreaks of a pox-like virus. That happened. And Curious. I don't know if that has to do with hmm. why it's called. I mean, why 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 it became monkeypox, but that was the reason why. Hmm. Curious. What do you think, Brett? This is a tough hot take. I'm mm-hmm. sure this may be my last appearance. People <laughs> are gonna not gonna like go what I'm about to say. Uh oh. So let me get the mute button on. Yeah, <laughs> there has been disease since the beginning of time. Uh, folks have a really short memory. One of the things when COVID-19 started, I talked to my mother, who's a laboratory supervisor and has worked in the medical field since, you know, graduating from college and that. And we talked about a couple of things. First, nobody has any real recollection of polio in America. The fact that all the kids' summer camps were canceled. There wasn't a vaccine at first. Uh, there were profound, you know, consequences for people who became infected, you know, nobody really looks back. That was not that long ago. We have family members who are alive during that period. So to kind of go into the, the, well, there's all these things. You're getting reporting about a few cases of a potential thing that's kind of tough when you look at transmissibility. So it's probably not going to, because it also doesn't talk, talk about what the duration of the infection is. It's, uh, I'm not going to go into all the immunolo- immunological factors or um, other stuff. But that's just kind of one is, and the other one was talking to my mother about my great-grandmother was one of the first people to have the Spanish flu in in rural Kansas. And so what her role became then as somebody who'd survived that is she rode from house to house of family members who'd gotten sick. 
to care for them because their family had to leave. So consider kind of where we've been during COVID. Did we really look out for each other as a community and those who were, you know, in need? It was kind of a confusing time. Lots of people either lost their jobs or had impacts on their employment or how they did things or requirements to support their family. Here's where things get really unpopular. Climate is changing. Okay. There's, there's widely held scientific get consensus. Get out. I'm just like, yeah. no, I'm just like, <laughs> now, I'm not I'm saying I'm why. I'm so not, I'll leave that to you all to figure I'm out what you feel. That again. But the climate is changing. And as consumption of resources accelerates in certain places, coupled with increasing saltwater inundation in, in areas where food comes from, we're going to see more disease mm-hmm. in, in the most uh, at-risk populations. And that's ultimately going to drive something. You'll see a food scarcity, which has been a bit, bit of a topic. Mm-hmm. This will tie back to that, mm. and you'll tie back to disease. Now that's and ultimately, hot. you're going to see a bunch of coverage of human migration. Mm-hmm. That's a so hot. That's a, that's that's just a kind nice, of, tasty, hot, and that's like a flip real jack take. That's a a real, real take right there. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... Don't panic when you see these things in the news because they're not new. Mm. You're seeing a different scale of reporting, a different tenor and tone, and people are trying to drive yeah, you to that's think another something. episode we're gonna talk we're gonna yeah, get into that's another that. episode, yeah. but but really it could, could be a narrative too. Keep yeah. your head about you and consider if you're of a particular faith and particular beliefs, mm. how you're interacting with those around you. Yep. Uh, next one is George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones fame. He said he wants House of Dragon, his new spinoff series, to have more success and Emmys than Amazon's Lord of the Rings. Now, he was talking to reporters, and it wasn't like a hard, like, I, I want to kill them, I want to destroy them, I'm better. No, he said he wants both of them to succeed, but if um, Lord of the Rings, the Amazon show, the new one coming out, that actually one of the, the, it's the biggest budget in TV history, if that gets six Emmys, he wants seven Emmys. And the way he said it, I think... He said it in such the perfect way because he wasn't being like, I want them to not succeed. He says he wants them to succeed, but he wants to be better than them. And I think that shows competition. It's almost like the WWE and WCW. Mm-hmm. Remember? Yep. Like the Monday fun- Night Wars. Yes, that caused competition. That competition is good. Yes. I thought he was very balanced. So that's kind of my take. And again, Dusty, again, since your, your background, two time Emmy nominated producer. What do you think about that? What do you think about what he said? Right that? here on my front of my wallet in this little uh, plastic thing, I have my um, Emmy Television Academy member card, Let me see. which oh. I can, can tell I... you, you've just incited my interest because wow. what happens is if we see either one of these shows not spectacular that yeah. blows our mind as a voting member of the academy wow i am going to vote awesome. for somebody else in the category <laughs> just to get angry at him because you don't get ahead of, of a production and start yeah. talking about how many emmys you're going to win no yeah. you like bring it like yeah. you gotta earn it you know you gotta you gotta look television is the most amazing television that we've ever had the in golden history. age it's the golden age of television i would dare say the platinum age right now yeah uh, and again this is somebody who's saying uh that we're going to see some really interesting new technology and entertainment and entertainment's going to become more immersive yeah. than we know right now um but Look, man, just bring it. Don't talk about it. 
the, you know, what, what happens when the when the Celtics go out and start talking smack about how they're going to beat yeah. uh, Miami next game, and then all of a sudden they show up and 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 Miami runs twenty five points on them at the beginning of the game. Like you, you can't do that. So yeah. I I don't know. This guy sounds <laughs> a little weird and wacky for doing that. And I know Academy members, by the way, yeah. who purposely do that. And that's why oh, you really? see these surprise oh, wow. Emmy wins. Is there like petty, like little pettiness? Yeah, like, because like, I don't we, like we're that seeing show. like these wow. huge budgets of, of, of publicity and yeah. billboards on Sunset Boulevard and all kinds of appearances on TV shows yeah. during around Emmy voting time. Mm-hmm. And they're clearly pushing for that Emmy vote. And so what people will do on the ballots is they'll vote for that least known guy yeah. who didn't spend a dime. And guess who wins on Emmy night? <laughs> the least known guy. And everyone's surprised. Yeah. That's what happens. Who, just speaking of Emmys, oh, no, that's a whole other topic. Uh, real quick, I don't want to, um, who's, who's somebody you met that you wanted to meet and you ran into at the Emmys? You're like, oh, my goodness, here's this oh, guy. Oh, my gosh. Well, all you got to do is go on my IMDb page and see a bunch of those people. But wow. um, my favorite one was yeah, Vince your- Gilligan. Oh, for uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad. And and I've seen him a few times, and I've actually spoken to him now since. You ran into him at the Emmys. But uh, the first time I ran into him, I I was very, my my date was very impressed because I just walked up to him and started talking to him about the fact that um, Brian Cranston was in an episode of, uh, speaking of UFOs, of of the the series uh, with uh, the two FBI agents. Oh, X-Files. X-Files. Right. That was the very first, Vince wrote that episode. Oh, and wow. Brian Cranston that. in that episode sits in the back of a cab the entire episode. That's like the whole episode. But that's where he first met Brian mm-hmm. and then decided to cast him for wow. Breaking Bad. And so I knew that story and we started talking about it. And and the date that I was with was like, wow, you, you knew <laughs> that guy? Like he just was starting. People like to talk about themselves. Yeah, hey, uh, Vince. They, they Vince, like to talk Vincey, about. Vincey, come here. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> hey, hey, Gilly. Vincey, what's going hey, Gilly. On? <laughs> there you go. Hey, Gilly. Gilly's Island. And uh, brilliant guy and super humble. He <laughs> must pray like we do the, 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 oh, uh, the litany, litany of, of humility. humility. <laughs> you would never, ever no. guess that this guy has won as many Emmys. And I'm, I'm watching uh, Saul Goodman. Uh, the Better, Call Saul. And yeah. Better Call Saul and wow. all that. But, um, yeah, it. it, it you definitely meet some really yeah. interesting people at those events. Cool, cool. So, see, I'm gonna have to bring up this topic again just to say how many stories you have. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm Jason. Sure he's got many. I have not uh, seen Game of Thrones, but I can. Understand. I don't endorse it. I've watched all of his series, but I think you have to have a particular. If you struggle with certain things, I say don't watch it. I just look away, look in the corner, fast forward. A lot of fast forwarding, but I love Game of Thrones. Again, I'm not endorsing. I'm just saying I loved it. So that that statement there of of his his uh, aim, if you will, right to me to kind of put in a sports metaphor, Dusty. That's like bullet that's bulletin board material for Lord, for the Lord of the Rings cast and crew, right? That's motivation for them just to bring it, as Dusty's saying, right? So for me, you know, George R. R. Martin, from my understanding, this is his baby, yeah, right. So you got to be competitive if you have a show in production, right? You've beaten out other people for other things, so you're competitive. So why wouldn't you want your project to be more successful than a rival project? You know, just thinking about it from, from the perspective of, say, someone who's creating something, right? You want it to be good. You, everyone knows they see Game of Thrones, they think George R.R. R. Martin, right? They see Lord of the Rings, they think Tolkien, they think Tolkien. Peter Jackson, yeah. you know? So you want your podcast yeah. to be the best, right? You want it to have five-star ratings across apple podcast and by the way you can now rate on spotify so quick plug for those who listen on spotify you can rate podcasts on spotify now Mm. so rate this podcast five stars so you want 
what you have that's yours to be the best. So I don't blame him. And, and we don't care. We will beg for that five star rating. Yes, oh, I will do. do Roger will, do will bribe you. I will do embarrassing things. Yes. for a five star. <laughs> uh, Roger, take, I like that thing. Roger <laughs> will let you. Roger will share with you the fate mm. of the pets he's had. I've heard oh, that story yes, yes. for, for that five-star rating. And that alone, and it is a tearjerker. It's and worth it. It'll make you laugh, cry, and shivel in fear All at, at the, the same, same time. time. <laughs> Brett, what's your take on this? I, I got to go. This will be quick. That's kind of like calling out in music Quincy Jones. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. comparing yourself to him um, or to Larry Bird or Michael Jordan. Everything I saw in the memeverse was that Game of Thrones ended with a resounding meh. Right. That's true. So to kind of pull out your pretend dragon story and <laughs> throw it up against one of the great works of all time, that is, uh, yes. Just, I'd say that's suspect. And I would have to defer to my children who are greater experts on this matter. Sure. But hey, look, at the end of the day, I hope we all win and we get some amazing content yeah. that yeah. that would be Emmy worthy. And I'm saying Kanye yeah. is Kanye, but Kanye is not <laughs> Quincy Jones. So we all know, of course, it's coming up. Can't not talk about it. Uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, pushes back on Archbishop Salvatore Corleone on denying her communion. He asks, he asks communicator, you can't do that. How dare you? No, he didn't do that. He didn't excommunicate her or anything like that. You do have to understand it comes from Canon 915. Again, those upon whose penalty of excommunication has been imposed or declared or others who obstinately persist in manifest grave sin are not to be admitted to Holy Communion. And that is from Canon Law 915. The key word is persist in manifest grave sin. That's the big difference. Because some people are saying is like, hey, well, if we do that, we're going to have to deny every regular Joe Schmo communion. The difference is it's not public. It's not, again, that, uh, mass manifest grave sin means it has to be public, has to be persistent, has to be grave. It's not just some dude that had a uh, an affair, which is, again, wrong, of course. But nobody knows that. He's the guy that did the uh Affairs probably not going around saying, hey, guys, I did it and I don't care and I'll do it again, you know, in public in front of the whole congregation. That's scandalous. So that's the main thing. This is Canon 915. You guys can look it up. And the thing about this is some people are pushing back hard. Like some people are this is a uh, hot take, but like some people are really pushing back hard. It's causing uh, causing a division. And it's funny because a lot of people, even non-Catholics, are saying, hey, why is the, uh, you know, the archbishop, he should mind his own business. Stop getting in politics. But then yet they're in Catholicism. They're like, this is a Catholic issue. And they yet they are deeply in they care about communion. And they don't, they're not even Catholic, but yet they, they have this communion. And a lot of people are saying, too, you can't deny communion because, oh, Jesus would have did this. Jesus loves everybody. But remember in Scripture, it talks about Jesus said you will cause grave, grave or what is it, grave harm to you if, you if you partake unworthily. And this is an act of love. If you read the actual statement from Archbishop Salvatore Coglione, you you will see that it's reluctant. Like he's not like, yes, I, I'm going to do this and ha ha, I got you. He's very like 
I don't want to do this. Almost like a parent getting after the child. He's like, I don't want to. I, I really don't want to do this. But, I mean, some people are saying that this is like a boss move from Salvatore Corleone. And speaking of his name, like his name, Salvatore Corleone, Corleone. it yep. sounds really like bling, 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 bling. Like I can imagine him coming up. He's like, you come to my house and say, Archbishop Salvatore Corleone. I love this. Justice. I made her offer. She couldn't refuse. She couldn't refuse it. That, that's what I hear. Bling, Keep going, bling, man. Bling, that's bling, awesome. Bling, bling, bling. That's what I hear is like in my head. Corleone, like Don Corleone himself, Michael Corleone. Like, I don't know. This vibe, um, I feel split because at the same time, I'm like, yes, do this. Yes, you need to. And at the other time, I'm like, wait, um, I shouldn't be happy that this is happening. You know what I mean? Like in a way. It's sad. Yeah. It, there you go. Okay. So I'm glad he did this. I, I'm with the bitch, our bishop. We shouldn't be happy like Get, take that, Nancy. Take that, Nancy P. That's what you get. Now go after Biden. I think we should um, also like do the same thing with Biden, but not in a take that. It should be in a, man, uh, like, a, yeah, a sad. Because, like, again, this is an act of love. It, he didn't excommunicate her. As soon as she goes to a reconciliation and denounces it, she's back on. Like It's not like an excommunication. I'm glad he did it, but I'm sad. Um, because it had to go this far. But again, I'm with him on that. Um, Dusty, I'm sorry for going along. What's your hot take? The problem is that we live in a Twitter universe where, you know, you're only going to get the two-second version of this. And uh, obviously, you know, we have people like us who can dissect this, and we don't, we're, we're not anybody. Yeah, experts, we're, we're experts. I mean, we're, I mean, no, we're <laughs> We're not anybody. You know, we, 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 we pray that uh, prayer of humility, right? Yes. Uh, but, but the thing that jumped out at me was the quote. He said, after numerous attempts to speak to her and to help her understand the grave evil yeah. she is perpetrating, the scandal that she is causing, the danger to her own soul that she is risking, I have determined that the point has come which I must make a public declaration that she should not be admitted to Holy Communion. Amen. Okay? Sad. Yeah. Uh, I don't get paid enough uh, or know or have enough expertise to judge uh, the situation other than to share this. I was part of a a group that taught uh, catechism, uh, and in particular, a, a class to adults who were becoming Catholic. There was this one person in that class who was very outspoken about a lot of things that he didn't understand throughout the year as we were teaching this class, and they were going to receive their sacraments of communion and confirmation. We've seen this in our faith. We know what I'm talking about, right? And at the end of the year, there was some discernment by some of the people who were the teachers in this class. And, and they decided, no, he shouldn't get his confirmation or his communion. He's not really a Catholic because he questions everything. And interestingly, as I started to do research, as I butted heads with them, and I said, you know, that's not for us to judge. Our, ju- our, our job, if, if we were doing this, is why didn't we prepare him better? to understand some of these things that he's questioning, right? And I went toe-to-toe with the group. I I became public enemy number one within the group of catechists. And then I advised the the pupil, the the candidate, to to go to the priest about it. And then he invited me to come to that meeting, and we went. And the priest, interestingly, agreed with us 
And he said, well, then, you know, if you don't think he's ready to be or he's not worthy of communion, then uh, you, you probably didn't do your job right. And, and at the end of the day, it's not really your job to decide that. Mm-hmm. I think those of us who are Catholic who really believe the gift that we receive in communion and how healing it can be and how many of us in, in my life, I've come to rely in, in, during portions of my life. I had to go every day to church, to mass, to receive that in order to fight through whatever I was challenged with. Wow. And uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful yeah. thing. This is a very serious thing. Yeah. And I agree with you. It's sad that yeah. it came to this, yeah. but I'm not going to judge. I, I don't yeah. get paid enough or know enough. I can just tell you from my from my own thing that there, this is a very private matter between you and God sometimes, and and it's sad that that this had to happen. Yeah, because he tried, he he persisted, and yeah, like you said, Jason, what do you what do you th- what's your take on this whole um, the Archbishop Colioni making her offer? She couldn't refuse. Some peppers, <laughs> some tomatoes. You get the tomatoes and the meatballs, and you know. Right. I'm there, man. I'm, I just close my eyes and I'm there. <laughs> there. I can hear the music in the background and everything. I'm there. Exactly. Almighty God, have mercy on Nancy Pelosi and on all that bear evil will and will harm and on their faults and on mine together. By such easy, tender, merciful means as thine infinite wisdom best can devise, vouchsafe to amend and redress and make us saved souls in heaven together where 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 we may ever live and love together with thee and thy blessed saints O glorious trinity for the bittersweet passion of our sweet jesus christ amen amen that is a prayer for one's enemies and that's for the for those that do not have a voice it all appears that she is trying to end life uh, before it can begin. And as much emotion as this topic brings, uh, I feel that I feel called and I feel responsible to keep prayer at the forefront of this issue um, because there have been other examples before Nancy Pelosi about people who were murderous, people who were evil, people who were vile, who turned their life around yeah. and became saints. <clears throat> and one of the catalysts for that was prayer. So we cannot lose sight of that in this issue. And that is my hot take. Wow. See, leave it to, that's why I have people like you on and other Justin. So this, this, this idiot cracking jokes and making, don't call me out. And then you, then you come with a prayer right after that. That's like, wow. That's like powerful. That's why I need that balance. And, and but I'm, you, dying to hear, I'm dying to hear yeah. what, what Tom has to say. I, mean, oh, I, I saw his for the eyebrows once again rise. It's here okay, for I'll the just power edit that of out. editing. Tom. So, Tom. Yes. yes, Tom. Tom. So, hey, a little bit of education for you. Technically, because of the people involved, one of them being Nancy Pelosi, an elected official, it is against the law for me to say anything under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Article 88. Mm. And that is part of when you sign on the line, you are actually letting go of a lot of the rights that the rest of Americans enjoy. So, because of this person's wow. position, it is explicitly forbidden for me to voice an opinion on this topic. Wow. Wow. So I just got turned on a little bit. That's it. That's I, hot. That's I, pretty. That's, that's, I just got a little so bit turned on. So that's kind of when you see people speaking up on the news, regardless of the channel, there's public affairs is who's supposed to be speaking on behalf of the Department of Defense. 
somebody's local opinion in uniform is not appropriate. Wow. Somebody's opinion at a rally is not appropriate. Wow. For you to use cool. your Man. identity as a member of the Department of Defense, wow. regardless of branch, rank, you're in some deep issues. in the government. Then you're no, no, <laughs> I'm just saying this is something that's well, like the rules exist for a reason. Heavy education that. because what wow. nobody realizes. Theoretically, who does everybody in the Department of Defense, every soldier, sailor, mm. airman, and marine, who That's do they right. work for? The chain of command. The, Actually, the no. The president. Under an even heavier, yes, you could go to the legal, the president and those appointed over you. But in the true philosophical, what I was taught by my friends who served before I did, because I don't come from a military family, is the individual citizens of the United States of America. Oh, yeah. And so that's who you are ultimately responsible to. And if your actions, if you Mm. cannot justify your actions to not just a family member, but to one of your teachers, a friend, another community member, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Mm. So we'll leave it at that. Hot take is as much as I'd like to say something, (laughs) it is actually profoundly prohibited. And so So, in order that everyone can have their rights, (laughs) you waive your own. Yeah. Well, what if what if there's a hypothetical where somebody's name's uh, Plancy Clonosi and her name was Plancy Clonosi <laughs> and shit? Uh, okay, I'm talking about that. I, I respect that. All right. It. Well, that's the end. The hot takes. The litany of topics. If I can just say one like, thing before yes, we wrap yes. up here, mm-hmm. Tom's a stand-up dude because, as we all know, Tom's not his name, and he is <laughs> still abiding by what he has sworn by. Exactly. So he could easily think in the back of his mind, "I'm not using my name." I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take yeah, this opportunity easily, to let yeah. loose, but he's not doing that. Yeah. Stand up guy. He's a yeah. stand up. Respect. Guy. I mean, it's hurting the show, but it's a stand up guy. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I just want to be sure it doesn't can't. all go to your head, Roger. We've yeah, yeah. got to keep you tamped down. That's before right. you're number one on iTunes. That's right. Yeah. No. No. I'm, just, I, I'm actually um, very much glad that you you came to do this. I remember when we first met several months ago, and I was like. I got to get you on. I got to get you on and other stuff happened. But like finally. But I'm super, super excited. I'm excited Because today we're talking about something that fascinated me since I was a kid. We're talking about UFOs. UFOs (laughs) are in the headlines in the craziest ways. Now we're actually talking about UFOs. Full disclosure by, you know, our, our, our governmental entities, which is something that I've been waiting for as a UFO geek and yes. nerd for years. We are actually now having hearings in Congress in which they are showing us amazing video footage. Yes. And, and we have somebody at the table, uh, Tom, who's really not Tom, who we think we don't even really know for sure, works for uh, some interesting people. Yeah. We're going to dance around, see what you can say, and then I can always edit it stuff. So, But before we get into that, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, Jason, Like, what was your initial reaction when you saw that? Like, For the first time in, what, 50 years, for the first time in 50 years, you had an actual congressional hearing on aliens, and it was two, it was a Tuesday. Like, just like, not Friday, not Monday, like a ra- the most randomest day, Tuesday, like just what? Just out of nowhere. Oh, it's a Tuesday. Hey, aliens, you are UAPs is what they call them. What was your initial reaction? Just like hearing the news. First time in 50 years. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it was a Tuesday because me, myself, I kind of have a hard time keeping up with the days of the week as it is. So I had to check the calendar and make sure it wasn't. No, first I had to look outside to make sure it wasn't night. Then I had to hmm. look at the calendar to make sure it wasn't Saturday. Right, because I was like, am yeah, I looking yeah. at a Saturday Night Live skit or, oh, you know, yeah. So the first exposure I had, of course, 
because the way you know some of us if not most of us get the news is through social media mm. you know whether that's right or wrong you know who knows but that's where my that's where where my eyes are at certain parts of the day and uh, i had to make sure i wasn't looking at you know the onion or babylon one of these, b you know or babylon b like yeah one of these other satire sites to make sure you know that's it but hey you know as someone who likes to consume media in various types of ways you know i've heard i've heard interviews with bob lazar you know mm. i've seen the documentary you know, Art I Bell. Art Bell. Oh, yeah. Art Bell is one of Coast my favorites. He's one of my all-time favorites. Soul. Exactly. God rest his soul is right. But yeah. Uh, yeah, to me, it was, you know, as like for many, you know, confirmation is something that was like, okay, this has got to be how it is. This has got to be a fact, not a conspiracy, not a myth, not, you know, something that's fantasy. You know, it, it has to be real. So yeah. for me, it was, it was kind of a wow moment for me. Yeah. So now, Tom, who isn't Tom, or should I just call him John Doe? So just call oh, him no, John call Doe. Him what if we call him Mott? What if we call him Mott? That's person, Tom backwards. The person formerly known as Tom. Um, <laughs> but uh, all right, Tom. So now I wanted to get your, of course, your, your, of course, your initial reactions of what you heard, but also what without telling us and what, what you do, do yeah we place you in what box like can you get you? as close as possible can you get us like to second base you know what i mean like, use, uh, <laughs> second base like come on We're not even don't be a tease don't be a tease just give us the second I'm base flattered <laughs> so the idea is that i work so give me my background real quick so i'm a 49 year old guy from rural kansas i came into church in 2000 very uh, auspicious year hmm. Um, this is our 24th anniversary with my wife. I have five kids. Uh, among other things that apply to this, I am a career Army officer and work in the space operations field. So uh, part of my job is I provide solutions to problems that can't be solved using existing capabilities. But the interesting thing about where I grew up in rural Kansas is it's also the location of a NASA museum, the Kansas Cosmosphere in, in Hutchinson, Kansas. So it's a little different if you, it's kind of like growing up in Huntsville or, or maybe Cape Canaveral where your whole life you're immersed in the culture of space discovery and exploration and things like that as a routine part of your day-to-day class. So I didn't pay a lot of attention to what happened in Congress. I, I, I try and limit my C-SPAN consumption <laughs> to really critical things. You don't but have a, a streaming service? Said the, that's said by the first time ever in the history of the world, limit my C-SPAN exactly. consumption. Yeah, you can really get a little too carried away. <laughs> I'm sure there's rabbit C-SPAN. holes. Oh, yeah. oh, very, very edgy stuff there. Yeah. C-SPAN, but, Reddit, it's the same thing, right? Mm. Rabbit holes. Really, oh, I think my. the biggest thing what we're looking at here is there is an, a gap in folks' education and knowledge. And so what you've got now is Congress is opening that up and trying to look at what is happening, what are the actual reports, what has the FAA seen, what has the military reported, what is the global observation of these phenomena, and how do you address that in a meaningful way? Because to a certain extent, you want to understand phenomenology that's happening. Does NOAA know something? Is there, is there things we haven't put together? I think the other thing that's probably driving this is changes in technology and the fact that the threshold of entry to unmanned aerial systems is going lower and lower all the time. The technology available is more and more profound. So you can see a lot more of those types of incidents where you see an aircraft collision with a UAS. And so you kind of have to scope everything and seek and educate the public as to what's actually happening, what they're seeing, or what we don't understand. 
And as a, you, you said that you kind of, again, you, you work in the government and you, you know a lot of stuff that some, you can, you can tell us something you can't, but on your expertise, you, you talked about technologies and you talked about this knowledge. I want to ask you, what do you think about this? Cause here's a quote from the actual, uh, congression of the UPAs. They, again, they're trying to get away UAPs. from the stigma. Yeah. Like UAPs. What did I say? UPA. Isn't UPA, that like that's a, a different, uh, uh is it, like is a that now elderly you are, insurance so company or something? Does like? UAP stand for, I'm going to guess, unexplained. unexplained. Aerial phenomena. phenomena. Yes. That's right. Okay, that's so, good. That that you know, word and, and your phone are going to do a good job. Euphemism. It's a euphemism for UFO. Okay. <laughs> but uh, Robert Powell, he's the executive on the board member of the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, and he was saying that he was kind of disappointed that quote there were they were unaware of inclusions over u.s nuclear facilities which can be traced back to 1947 unquote isn't i just peed myself a little bit like that's scary like and i this isn't the only time in 1947 there's been uh, other sightings that they actually these whatever these are ufos or uaps they've gone near nuclear facilities and actually like turned them on or did something to them so if you could get to earth from somewhere else why would you care what we were doing at a nuclear reactor because your technology is inherently going to be far more advanced than nuclear fission that we are currently using and as you move through other lines of thinking you can kind of tell through different scientific methods what's happening at a reactor you can see certain signatures of emissions and and tell what's happening so again, if you came all the way across the universe from even someplace close, only a tens of light years away, that, that's profound technology. What would you be doing here and why would you be interacting with a, a nuclear reactor? Mm. Very head-scratching uh, question that Tom has proposed to us. You know, we are all believers here. I think uh, believers not only in... Our, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and our Catholic faith, but also I think believers in UFOs. Am I right? Am I taking the right temperature? Maybe I, I'm in. I'm agnostic. I'm gonna say I'm agnostic. <laughs> really, I'm That's agnostic. I'm I mean, leaning. I just kind of take it for granted that the universe is so vast and so huge yeah. and so like we can't even wrap our head around it yeah. that there wouldn't be life out there. Well, have you I, heard I, of the I, Fermi I paradox? Though, have you have y'all okay. heard of the Fermi? I know oh, his his, his eyebrows. Tom, his eyebrows just Tom. went up. Tom, his eyebrows just almost fell out of his head and. Is I like you heard of the you heard of the Fermi paradox, right? Which is I, I'm not deep on, so I'm going to let you explain. Okay, it. so the the Fermi paradox is pretty much a simple idea of like if there's all this universe and there's all this civilization and all this time and the the Earth and world has been around for billions of years old. Where are the aliens? Like, shouldn't by now, like if especially if they're that advanced, shouldn't we've been visited like a long time ago? Because in the Fermi Paradox, it says, like, all this time, all these billions of years of time, you would think one advanced civilization out there somewhere in the galaxy would have, have been advanced enough to conquer us. Like, what what happens when us humans see something and we're like, hey, we're bigger, stronger, faster than them. Let's just take them over. Like, what happens to humans that we're just going to take over this, this uh, part of the Earth or whatever? What makes it that a advanced civilization that's had all this time in this whole big universe 
what's stopping them? Like, why haven't they taken us over yet? Like, so that's the well, Fermi what, paradox the, is like, where where are all the aliens? Well, the aliens are clearly circling our nuclear power plants and nuclear uh, facility. Yeah, We've maybe. already established that. Uh, Jason, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, he sounds like he didn't listen to enough Art Bell episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, one could say, you know, this sudden advance in technology, like seriously, our phones have a touchscreen. You know, there was a pretty Ooh. big leap there. So there is this who knows this, this maybe they're among us that exists too from and I remember because I drove past this store the other day that's been there since like 1957 in my parents' old neighborhood where they repair televisions and I was happy to see it there the other day and I remembered when I was a kid you would take your television there and they would change the resistors inside your television the the the, the little tubes. It was like tube technology, right? All of a sudden, we make this huge leap that nobody can quite explain from from that resistors and tubes to like LCD and touchscreens and all this stuff. And the new faster computers are making new faster computers. And that goes to what you were talking about, Tom, which is, hey, maybe we're seeing new technologies. Maybe these technologies are Russian. Maybe they're Chinese. That's what I was going to say. Okay, so on the point of that, uh, if... If it's a new technology, like, why hasn't Russia or China, you know they want to, why, how, how come China hasn't took us over? I mean, other or than why, the NBA, why didn't Russia use that technology the, to take over Ukraine? Exactly. Now, They're right? getting their butts kind of kicked by just a Ukraine. Why is Russia losing? And, I mean, other than the NBA, again, uh, why doesn't China just take us over if it's them? So that's a tough one. You've got a lot of things laid out, and I'll try and tie it back to the NBA. So, <laughs> nice. <laughs> so here's you're going to get fined for that. You said yeah. so with all this technology, why isn't Russia succeeding in the Ukraine? So I spent a lot of time thinking on this one, watching it, and I would pose this to all three of you as learned men of a particular age. Roger, you may not be old enough, but that's a compliment. We're talking about Russia not the Soviet Union. As you look at what's happening within the organization of the Russian military, unless there's something I'm missing, one key component is gone from what would have been the Soviet army, and that is the commissar. You do not have an enforcer of political ideology present in the rank and file anymore to ensure things are executed. So you see things like profound corruption at the senior leadership levels. You see abuse of the subordinates and and uh, sale or misallocation of resources by the senior NCO leadership. And then you see a large group of conscripts who aren't necessarily ideologically tied to the effort and really are only making a marginal amount of money. So you've lost really the ideological root of what the Soviet army would have been as you see this being executed. And it's just really a profound demonstration of how complex what we call maneuver warfare is. As you sit and watch the videos, the, the ones that are credible, coming out of that region, you see things that are so, they're kind of, as a military professional, shocking to see the inability and in, incompetence to even conduct basic movement, uh, basic things like reacting to an ambush. That You'd expect to see every echelon of junior U.S. Army leadership, and especially the Marine Corps execute, they are not even reacting to ambushes. So I think that's the key thing is they've they've disrupted their own enforcement mechanism that would have made that an effective military approach. Their focus is always on mass or number of troops in a place, not necessarily quality. It's always the quantity. How does that? How do you feel about that answer on Ukraine? 
Hmm. I'm gonna pass on this. <laughs> but no, at the no, same time, you, you told yeah. me like Tom yeah. has been calling the whole mm-hmm. Ukraine thing, yes. right? Like he's been telling you for weeks, hey, yes. look for this to happen and yes. look for that. I'm gonna take him to Vegas soon. There you go. Because <laughs> this guy can make you a so, lot of money guessing yes. what might happen next. Um, but you know, trying to keep us back on point. First of all, as Catholics, mm. I think we're ready to deal with yeah. uh, with the implications of whether or not this is alien life. Yeah. Uh, as taxpayers, I have a little <laughs> more difficulty with it. Uh, taxpayers all, related to alien life like regarding gonna, the well, the U the U S are they going to be on welfare? Like, what do you the mean? The U S like government <laughs> has this propensity to free phones to <laughs> to to exploit this incredible resource that we as a country have Mm. that almost no other country has and this is a renewable resource that is very powerful um and that's the fact that we all pay taxes right and we (laughs) keep feeding the government and keep uh feeding uh we do a lot of taxes uh government projects and this is me being a total cynic and like you know being very uh brutal honest here um, I have difficulty when uh, you're asking me to pay taxes and that we are dumping unforeseen billions of dollars into secret projects that we know nothing about where it's going, unaccountable to, <laughs> as Tom's eyebrows once again mm-hmm. leave his forehead towards that's, the sky. That's two or three that, times that so we far. don't know where they're going, right? Track. And there's no accountability in Congress and so forth. And the moment even a congressman starts uh, chirping about it, he says, oh, yeah, well, how would you like all your military bases in your state uh, closed down or some of them so that it hurts so you don't get reelected, right? So it's very powerful. Not all ufologists are excited about these new Pentagon-inspired uh, Pentagon uh, investigative offices that have been set up to look at this. I have a feeling that they're going to ask us to spend more money in perhaps even more secret government programs uh, feeding uh, into these um, things that we're seeing. Um, so Tom, what do you that's, say? It's an interesting perspective that you think this would be a Department of Defense-led activity. Uh-huh. Because really this would be, as you sit down and parse out how you do things as a government, the question is under which authority. Okay. So that's a lot of my job ties to understanding which actual title of U.S. code gives you permission to conduct an activity, to receive funding for it, all of those things. So really, if you look at where NASA and the FAA sit, this really would fall within their purview if it's happening in the United States of America, territories and, and you know, other regions of interest that are controlled by the United States legally. But isn't this a lot about uh, the insistence and this was talked about during the hearings at least the few things the things that i saw our national security efforts are rely on aerial superiority right that that's like a big big reason why we have strength as a military in the world that we outspend everyone by not many many multiples and that air superiority exists so all of a sudden now it's become an issue that we're seeing something, these unidentified aerial phenomena that are coming and not only disrupting uh, military operations, uh, coming close to uh, ships, uh, yeah. uh, Near nuclear misses, power like, yeah. plants, all kinds of stuff. So yeah. that, that, that's a good point. But what's really curious is you get into the profession of doing this stuff. 
what the Department of Defense does best for our nation is provide a rapid framework for problem analysis and action. It's not necessarily the greatest at research. Because one of the things that's changed, I can't remember, how old did you say you are? Uh, old, older old, than so I So old enough, yeah. <laughs> so this is military joke time. So you were a kitchen patrol at the Last Supper. Okay. So you're, you're, old, you're crossing guard at the Red Sea. So you're old. But the idea is that as we spin all this around, for so long, the American culture has believed the military was the source of our greatest technology. That's kind of fading as things are progressing with different uh, startups and, and other organizations. You see actually a lot of really profound advancement coming out of Silicon Valley and Washington Elon State Musk. and, I was just talking and, about and that places like that terms, where yeah. the Department of Defense isn't necessarily driving. We're more trying to understand emerging technologies and how you're going to apply them to a military application. Is that a, is hey, that look, a good some of these, thing, though? Some of these guys that were testifying were genuinely concerned yeah. that this might be something, this aerial phenomena might belong to it could be something a, a foreign, a foreign nation. Yes, right? and that would be a point of interest. But until right now, you have an untested hypothesis. You've got to start categorizing and gathering data about these, what do you call them? UAPs. UAPs. Okay, I'm trying not to spit in your microphone there. But so you've got to gather the initial data set. And that's, that's probably one of the things that the military itself is the least competent at doing that you really look to the academic model mm -hmm. where you have people who there are data scientists out there that are profoundly gifted that can pull in all of the different sources and start creating a a cross-referenced database mm -hmm. that's going to tell you a lot more because you don't even know when somebody's giving you a visual report one of the first things they teach you in the military is that the first report is almost always wrong Wow. So if you have first report, you always look at it. Okay, something's going on. I need to understand it. And you start refining the process to understand what's actually happening. With something as complex as this, going back to just playing UAVs, I guarantee you if we told everybody in the in a football stadium, hey, if you see a UAV tonight at the football game, oh, you bury it, at, at the basketball NBA parking lot, if you see this thing, tell me about it. You could you put a stimulus out there. And get all kinds of different reports about That's how true. many were seen, how big it was, what it looked like. Yeah. So part of this is to start understanding what you're actually encountering from a more quantitative perspective. And then there's things nobody thinks about. Like, there's radars all around San Antonio, right? So if it's flying through the air and it's an unidentified phenomena, it's inherently going to interact with radar at some point. We just may not see it because algorithms filter it out. So I think there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a lot of things to move towards understanding from a more scientific approach. Now, let's say, you know, that still doesn't say it's not, in fact, extraterrestrial. You can't rule it out because you don't have enough data it, to even describe what you're seeing. It's inconclusive. I can't say that word. Inconclusive. Inconclusive. Jason, what would you, just throwing it out there, uh -huh. it's kind of... Would you rather be a foreign entity that's doing this, or would you actually rather it be extraterrestrial? I'd rather it be extraterrestrial because it'd be Why? something new. It'd be something new. If it's a foreign entity, you know, if we look at the past, you know, foreign entities encroaching on our radars or encroaching on our territories don't really bode well for... It's not a good track record. Com ...coming to any kind of resolution civilly and, you know, peacefully, if you will. 
Uh, so I'd rather it be a foreign entity. That, that way there's like, a, okay, what do we know about this? One would say nothing. Okay, so let's start from the beginning and let's look into this. Or it's like, a, okay, it's time to let all the people out from the back room that know all about this and put them in front of the cameras and let's calm down, you know, the American populace and let's talk about this. And of course, there's the saying, what the American population doesn't know is what makes the American population, right? So who knows? Who knows? But for me, just knee-jerk reaction is I'd rather it be something from outer space. Um, I have a question for Tom, though. So, you know, because you made a point earlier about how, you know, space and where the kind of the technology, where it's going and that kind of stuff. What was the whole deal, or from your point of view, you know, given your background, what was the whole deal behind Richard Branson, Elon Musk, and Jeff Bezos hanging out in space for however short of a short of a time of, of it was? You know, I thought it was like publicity, but given COVID, Amazon doesn't need publicity because that's everyone's like grocery store now and everyone's a go-to. But uh, so to me, that's that, that's kind of one of those random thoughts I have when I'm folding towels or, you know, driving somewhere, sitting at a red light. It's like, what was the deal with those guys just trying to get to space? They just came out of nowhere and then it's forgotten. So, yeah, it's 